Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and really only one thing up for a review this week, and that is No Time to Die, the latest James Bond film. First up, and quite frankly the only thing up for a review this week, is the latest James Bond film, and that is called No Time to Die. It has been six years since our last James Bond film, and the only other time we've had a gap that long is when they were rebooting between Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan, and that was between 1989 and 1995. So we've had a pretty steady flow of James Bond films for the past almost two decades, and of course due to COVID and all that other stuff. The release of this film had been delayed extensively. It is Daniel Craig's last outing. That's not a spoiler, though I will do a spoiler-free review for this and then have a more in-depth discussion later at some point. But plot-wise, I promise not to give anything away. I like Daniel Craig as James Bond, but I do not like some of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, if that makes sense. I think Casino Royale is probably one of the best James Bond films we've had in the history of the franchise. But some of the other films just have not stuck in my brain, like Quantum of Solace and Spectre. I just quite frankly don't remember a lot from them and I think the thing I like about other James Bond films not Daniel Craig ones necessarily is that you don't need to remember a lot going into them in order for things to make sense they're very formulaic right it's like oh James gets assigned to a mission there's a, an overly caricatured bad guy there's a sexy lady probably with some sort of ridiculous name Q shows up and gives him a really cool car and some gadgets and you know he's he bickers with M a little bit and there we go we've got a James Bond film okay wonderful but the problem with all the Daniel Craig ones, and I don't know if it's a problem for other, you know, I'm sure some people love that there's a meta narrative happening, but for me, because I found the middle ones not particularly memorable, and so much time has passed since Spectre in 2015, I didn't remember a lot of the things that became stakes in No Time to Die, and as a byproduct of that, I didn't really feel that invested in the film. It's also a really long film. It's two hours and 43 minutes, and it it kind of feels like two hours and 43 minutes. I did go see it in a theater. It's only the third film I have seen in a theater in the last 18 months. And who hit again, it was a long one. And some of it absolutely classic James Bond. There's some fun moments in it that I th that's the type of Bond I like. And I think this is maybe just because I grew up on Pierce Brosnan and he's a sort of witty that type of CAD character and Daniel Craig's Bond is more gruff and a little beaten down sometimes. But I just I could not remember what the larger narrative was supposed to be. And it actually doesn't do a great job of reminding you of some of it. So yes, of course, you can still absolutely follow the film, even if you don't remember the last few films, but it just wasn't as enjoyable an experience for me. I think some of the highlights of it were Lashana Lynch plays another British agent, and my God, give her a series. Please make her, you know, I, there's a lot of discussion about who the next Bond is supposed to be, and I am in the firmly in the camp of make it a lady, give the title of 007 to them, and then be a lady. I don't think we need James Bond to continue. Continue, but I know for intellectual property reasons, the, they'll probably keep it to a, a man. But I want something to change with the Bond films. So Daniel Craig, obviously back. And then we've got Rami Malek as the villain in this. And so there's this overarching villainy of Spectre, and that's hanging over his head. And it's something that we've dealt with in other Bond films before, but it's never been something that has been necessarily attached to a person in such a way. So Rami Malek is Safin, who's a, a villain in this. That's not a spoiler, really. Christoph Waltz is also back as Blofeld. And then Leia Sadu is back as Madeline Swan. Ben Wishaw as Q. Naomi Harris is still Money Penny. And I gotta say, I am very sad. Naomi Harris has had two films in a row this the last two weeks that she has just been completely underutilized in. This and Venom Let There Be Carnage. Then you've got Jeffrey Wright back as Felix. Ray finds as M. Billy Magnuson joins and Ana de Armas. And 
And again, it's a good cast. Everyone's trying their best. It's just something about it did not gel as a whole to me. Pieces of it were enjoyable. I didn't have a bad time at the whole film. And there are some things in terms of plot that I will discuss it later at some point that I did find disappointing. There are definitely some more comedic points. And I, I tend to gravitate towards some of the snarky comedic points, as I mentioned. And I think some of that has to do with Phoebe Waller-Bridge being a writer on this, which I absolutely love her. You probably know her from Fleabag. I think her influence can be seen in parts of this. And then also the director is Carrie Joji. Fukunaga, who most people might know from True Detective or possibly even from Beasts of No Nation, or he directed Jane Eyre. He was also the screenwriter for the latest iteration of Stephen King's It. But again, I just, I think this film got too caught up in trying to wrap things up and knowing that, you know, this is Craig's last film and it didn't allow itself to have any fun. And not that a James Bond film has to be fun, but I just feel like there was such a self-seriousness that bogged it down. And so then when you did have the more buoyant, and I do think those are the parts that worked best, the more buoyant scenes, it was just, it just felt like a really, it just felt really disconnected. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. Also, the action, again, it's fine, but even though you know that it's technically impressive and it does, it just didn't stand out to me. And I didn't, I don't go, oh, wow, I, that's so cool that they did that. It's almost like, I mean, this may be more of a sign of the times in that action films have elevated as a whole and, and no longer is a Bond film synonymous with the cutting edge of action sequences. But I think if you're a James Bond fan, you're going to go and you're going to finish it out. I think if you're a more casual fan, unless you decide to brush up on all this stuff, the larger story of this might be tougher for you. Or you might find yourself honestly a little bit bored because it's a really long film and there's a lot of what feels like filler as a byproduct of trying to wrap up all these story bits and also I found Rami Malek's villain to be just so uninteresting there was nothing particularly compelling about the character we get a backstory as we do in almost every Bond film of the villain but at that at this point it was just why is this story shoehorned in here if we're trying to wrap up everything else why couldn't we have just focused on those things instead of going we have to bring in someone else but the someone else ends up being so underwhelming so again I think if you're a Daniel Craig James Bond fan you're gonna see it anyway you're gonna send him off and again I like Daniel Craig as James Bond I just don't love all of the Daniel Craig James Bond films but if you are on the fence just be prepared you know maybe wait for it to come out on home entertainment it's it's I don't know if you need to see this in a theater if you are on the fence it is definitely designed to be a big screen movie and I think the other thing that stood out to me in a good way is it didn't feel like there were a lot of cheap effects there are obviously a ton of special effects to it but it, it did feel more practical and that has been something I've struggled with in a lot of films recently is that everything just feels like it's shot on a soundstage in a green screen room etc etc so just be aware if you you are on the fence and you're considering going to see it in a theater that a really long runtime might not make sense unless you brush up on the other stuff but let's be honest these films do really well people are going to go see it if you're not a James Bond fan you're not going to go see this movie it's certainly not going to be the one where I go yes if you were not a fan before this one will convert you no this one will just confuse you I would say Casino Royale if you had not seen James Bond before that would be the one that would be the introduction or if you're me Goldeneye I love Goldeneye I think it's a classic I think it's a, also a great introduction to a Bond but I am hopeful for Lashana Lynch carrying on in the James Bond universe and that was pretty much the biggest takeaway from the film. Also, I, I enjoyed Anna Darmus's character, but I felt like she was aggressively underutilized in this, much like Naomi Harris. So I personally am going to give it 3.6 out of 5. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to stay tuned for the actual roundtable discussion about the film that's coming next week, where we'll go into all the in-depth spoilers, because there's truly a lot to discuss about this film and this franchise as a whole, but we'll hold off until people get a chance to see it. And if you like this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.